hotline 311, psychosocial support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OACS Commission, and UNICEF. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I so appreciate it. It is a beautiful uh, Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It feels like such a long time. Maybe because I worked over the weekend, but it feels like it's already Thursday. But anyway, thank you for tuning in. And I hope you're having a good morning so far. Um, it is June 15th. My name is Tresha Lionel. And of course, to everyone watching on Facebook, 92.1 in the north and 91.1 in the south, Welcome and thank you. Um, also on Facebook Live and on Channel 124 on Flow and of course there on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. And a special good morning to everyone at the Beaufort Constituency Council office. I know you guys are locked in and also at St. Jude's Hospital. Um, thank you again for tuning in. As we uh, go into today's show, we will of course focus again on what happened over the weekend. Um, but first, I found it interesting that there was a meeting with the Cannabis Commission uh, yesterday, a cabinet meeting, and things were promised to a lot of people, um, including, I think, a lot of the Rastafarian community members are really concerned about how that might come out. Um, blessed love, by the way, for those of you watching. Erin Alexander, thanks again. Um, but within that meeting, a lot of things were promised, a lot of things discussed, and I, for one, personally, I have never thought that, you know, the marijuana would get off the ground, or if it does, it wouldn't come off the ground very soon. A lot of promises have been made by both administrations, um, and nothing coming of it as yet. But um, the president of the chairman of the Simusha Cannabis Movement, Mr. Andrew DeCaris, is once again very optimistic that things you know, could happen. And for me, I always am wary of promises being made, especially now in, you know, ca campaigning season. Um, not that it wouldn't, but just to be wary. Just, you know, it'll just be common sense to know that you have to take everything now with a grain of salt, things that are being promised. But um, Pancho, when I spoke to him, and it, yes, it is a very long um, interview there, but I wanted to know what he thought about so many things, and he seems very enthusiastic, optimistic about what would happen, and he says it's not going to be a decriminalization, it's going to be a legalization of the herb um, by the end of this year, 2020, that's what he's saying, that's what he's been, from what he gathers in the meeting and the meetings that they're going to have, and the committees which have yet to be formed, he's saying that there's going to be a legalization of the herb. So, um, I wanted us to listen to what Mr. DeCaris had to say on the issue. Um, and I asked some of the questions that I thought were important at this time, and I wanted you to listen. Meeting in cabinet, I would say, would be a positive one for uh, cannabis law reform. As to, uh, as to how much law reform we're going to do, um, we'll have to form another committee, and that other committee will decide all the details. But generally, the meeting, um, the chairman, Mr. Michael Gordon, who is the chair of the commission, he um, basically said it's for legalization, the Permandu report, the CARICOM commission report, everybody is, is talking about full legalization. I think the ministers now understand what full legalization is, and I think we'll get a lot of support from them. Um, there's still work to do in terms of designing the regulations and writing up the bill to be to be tabled in in parliament for it to pass so that we could actually get on with the business of cannabis now the over the past few years successive administrations there continues to be talk of you know cannabis and the decriminalization what about now makes you feel so confident that it will come to pass this time 
Uh, I think the mood of the meeting, it was a good indicator because these politicians um, definitely asked pertinent questions and the majority of the politicians seemed to be supportive of the change just by the comments. Um, there's going to be a cabinet conclusion and, I mean, if, if they, if they are against it, it's either full legalization or keep it, keep the, the law as it is. And I think everybody realizes that the best thing to do to, to if you want to, for the public health issues, for the economic uh, situation and for the social justice situation, which is, you know, really in our faces these days with all the brutalization. We've seen police brutalization all over for, and cannabis has been used as, a, a, you know, possession of cannabis has been used um, to brutalize people. So for the social justice, the economic development, and to deal with the, 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 the public health issues, the best thing to do is legalize. And I believe that the ministers realize that because here we are in an illegal regime and you could get ganja. It's, it's, it's like it's legal, but with no regulations. So basically it's going to be... be just like this, with regulations, but now we could get economic value out of it as well. And what's the time? What, the, what does the time look like for all this to pass through after this meeting? I will say 2020. By the end of 2020, maybe before. I mean, if we work really fast, we can do it in two months, in a month. But, you know, just knowing the bureaucratic process of, of everything, I assume by the end of 2020. So what you're saying is that the, by the end that. of 2020, what exactly is going to happen? Full legalization. Full legalization by the end of 2020? Yes, yes. Any concerns that, um, you know, because of, you know, we're in the middle of campaigning, that maybe this is being used to, you know, to pave the way and to soften the hearts maybe of cannabis enthusiasts like yourself as part of a political agenda? Well, both... Both parties, you know, have done it. Last election, the LPM, the SLP, mm -hmm. and the UWPP all said that they were for legalization of cannabis. That was four years ago. It, if it was a political promise, it could have happened initially. I mean, this is the third commission. So it's not to say, and I take all my hats off to Mr. Herman Gale Francis because he was the one who was totally committed to it. And then for whatever reasons, he got sidetracked. Give all kudos for, to Mr. Bradley Felix for picking up the baton. But that time between Mr. Herman Gale after elections and when Mr. Felix picked up the baton was wasted years. And we could have been in this position two years ago. The other administrations, if they had gotten in, I would have expected the same sort of, 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 of approach because it, it is a political issue. Are they using it as a political issue now? Well, we, we you know, we have been pushing for so long. Um, I think that this last commission, and uh, coupled with the Promandu report, I, I, I think it, it, um, it was pushed through in relatively fast time, this commission. And a lot of, a lot of work has been done by this commission, where previous, the previous commission, no work was done at all. So, even from the inception of this new commission, there was a change of attitude by the government. So we have to acknowledge that. Is it a political ploy? I don't know. Maybe it's a commitment to, to um, fulfill campaign promises as well. So you could look at it either way. I'm hearing that um, the National Security Minister, Mr. Herman Gil Francis, threatened that there wouldn't be a meeting if the planned silent protest that you initially planned were to happen yesterday. Yes, yes. What had happened is that I sent out a voice note basically asking my members to socially distance six feet apart, uh, no noise, no, no words, just your signs and legalize it, just in black. Um, the minister got word of it. It got to the prime minister. The prime minister asked the minister to call me and put it off. And as I said earlier, it's easier to catch flies with honey than vinegar. We thought it would have been a show of encouragement to the ministers, but with all the protests going on, um, they, it probably would have looked at it in a negative light. And it all worked out for the good because we don't want to be discussing cannabis and, and, and the ministers feel that they're under duress or pressured. 
So it was easy for us to call it off. We all realized that, you know, um, it's better to, to, to have uh, no negativity when discussing this. And it was called off. It wasn't a big issue at all. If people were to call you a traitor to the cause and not continuing with the protest initially planned, how would you defend yourself? Well, I've defended myself. I'm not a traitor to the cause. We went into the cabinet and now we, we're looking at a favorable decision. Imagine if I, we had the protest and we didn't have the cannabis meeting. What would then the, 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 the supporters say? Huh? That, that would have been the question. So what the outcome now is a much better outcome that now that we didn't have the protest and if we did have the protest. So the supporters have no choice but to say yes. Good move. The, there have been a few um, protests like over the weekend and the Black Lives Matter movement and everything else. How do you think about these things happening in the well, country? I mean, the stark difference between the, the Black Lives Matter protest in Constitution Park, the numbers that turned out. I mean, uh, Mrs. Jean was out there talking about the death of her son, Botham. And they had a sprinkling of people, the majority of them Rastafarians. You know, that is complete. And then you look, you, you look at the other, um, protests, and it's thousands of people. So what are they protesting? What is more important to us? You know, and there's a stark difference. So we need to get our priorities straight and decide what is important to us as a people. And it looks as though that politics is plenty more important than social justice. So with, that 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 doesn't hold well with with my personal views on protests. With uh, Miss Jure that you mentioned, though, the Black Lives Matter movement wasn't approved by police. the The authorities didn't want it to happen, but it happened anyway. So people could say there's also a stark difference between um, how you went about dealing with it and also how the Black Lives Matter went to deal with it by you know defying the authorities and having it anyway. Yes, but they, they, they were not fighting for an, an outcome. Police reform is completely different to getting a, a yes to legalization. So, you know, you have to be tactical and you sometimes you have to stoop to conquer. So that was Mr. DeCaris there. Uh, thank you again for speaking with me and, you know, speaking your truth. Um, but when I heard that, it's just, you can see how it, side by side is very different with different organizations and how they view things. He um, wanted to have a silent protest outside of cabinet yesterday on Monday. There was a cabinet, supposed to be a cabinet meeting and he wanted um, him and his other members in the cannabis movement to have a silent protest. But the minister of national security, Mr. Herman Gil Francis, heard of it because I think um, Dickeris put out a voice note calling his members to come out and Herman Gill, Francis, says that that cannot happen. And if it does happen, then the meeting will not happen. So DeCaris is now saying that they relented and they didn't have it anymore. And he's saying it's for good reason. Um, and he's saying that, you know, you could get more with honey than with vinegar. Um, and that's not the way many people see it. We saw Ms. Alison Jure, her family, uh, other supporters of ICAR, and they too are stakeholders in the Cannabis Commission and that sort of thing. So they were out despite having, uh, getting a letter from the police saying, you know, that's not authorized, and they went out anyway. And, you know, a lot of people like Peter Ras Iper Isaac, I spoke with uh, Ms. Jure today, and... Um, I don't know, she, she says she hopes she doesn't get arrested, but, you know, it has been circulating that the people involved in the Black Matters movement could be arrested, including the leader of the opposition and um, Ras Aipa and Ms. Je and the Je family, along with the others who were there. So when you look at these two scenarios, you wonder, should, you know, you take on what the authorities are saying when you know and what you think that it, you think is to be right and you do it anyway or do you go this, the way of the cannabis movement and the leader there and you know 
just do and abide by what they're saying, hoping that they will be a government of their word. And yes, we do know that even in recent times that it hasn't been seen to be that way. We can see it with the agreement that they had with the National Trust and the Prime Minister making a unilateral decision. But Mr. DeCaris is still holding out hope that you know everything that they discuss will come out into fruition. But just last year... I remember that Mr. DeCaris thought the same thing. In 2019, he said that decriminalization would have been at the end of 2019. And now this year, he's saying that it's going to be at the end of 2020. And I'm telling you, legalization of, you know, marijuana at this time is no easy feat. But th this is the time that we're living in. And I did get to speak with Peter Rasiper Isaac. I don't know if he's scared for his life and his security and his freedom. But um, he said just yesterday he was all around town. He saw police officers, they just watch him in his, in his eyes and they tell him nothing. So, you know, um, I wanted to speak with him on what, if any, fears he has about being arrested. Does he have any regrets having that protest and being and organizing that protest? And also, when that happened, it just seems, you have to wonder, the double standard for a lot of things. If the Black Lives Matter movement people weren't arrested, I wouldn't want them to because if you look at my Facebook too, I... I advise that, you know, just go out like the Nike slogan and, you know, just do it. That's what I thought. Because I think a lot of the times protests are about organic. It's very organic. So if you have to go to the police to get approval to protest against police brutality, will you ever get it? And if you have to wait until a state of emergency is done, then that means you have to wait until October to let your voice be heard or to do anything. So these are a lot of the issues that we have to deal with, um, and it's, it, it has layers to it. But first, let's just listen to what Peter Aipa Isaac had to say. Well, um, I would hope that good sense would prevail and that um, that may not be the case in terms of um, trying to arrest anyone who participated in the Black Lives um, Matters uh, rally. Uh, the, the reason why I'm saying that is because it was something that happened and it happened in good faith. We went out there. Uh, I, I think it was something that was to be done, something we did. And I think it, it's all, it happened in the, in the best interest of the majority of St. Lucians who are black people. And um, so I think it was something that 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 that, that was justified in, in my opinions. And, and I, I think that... Um, if, if that happened, it would, it would be a, a sad day for St. Lucia um, that, you know, that the police would move in and arrest people who, you know, uh, uh, stood up for something that, you know, the majority of people in the world are standing up for. And um, this is not even just about America, but it's about black people everywhere who are, you know, who, who have suffered, um, you know, injustices everywhere. And... Um, so it, it, it would be a sad day for us in this country if something like that happened, especially knowing that, you know, how the, the, the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter hashtags, you know, hashtag have taken place everywhere in the world. And I think um, it, it has done well for St. Lucia, in my opinion, because of the way that it was done. And I think the police um, must be commended because they were there and they didn't arrest anyone. And um, they saw it as a peaceful match, and it was done in good faith, and in, in good faith in terms of you know the, the the kind of consciousness that has emanated from 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 what you call Black Lives Matter in, in, in every part of the world presently. So I don't know; it would be a sad day, I must say, for Saint Lucia. And um, but I'm not afraid, and I'm sure a lot of the other persons who were there are not afraid. So let us see how this thing will work out. Let us Again, um, you know, I, I must say probably it might just be rumor. Maybe it's rumors. Uh, maybe it's rumors dispreading. I don't think the police would be, you know, it would move in. I don't think it would be a good thing, um, you know, um, that the police would try to move in and arrest anyone. I think, um, you know, good sense should prevail and that something like that would not happen in St. Lucia. Um, we 
did this match and it, it's, it is something that we did for, for two reasons as we said one of them because we wanted to stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters um, in, in, in America who are part of us our blood and um, we also wanted to make uh, you know show people you know show reciprocity for Bufam Jean when he you know he was slain in America he was murdered and uh, the Americans stood with us and they supported us and you know they they, they 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 rallied with us and so on as you know so we are saying that we did the same here and we stood up for them but this thing went even deeper than that you know because of the you know the injustices and the atrocities that have been committed against black people everywhere in the world and it's highlighted now and today we took up you know the mantle and we decided to you know you know air our voice and be counted it would be sad that a country like st lucia with 98.9 percent um you know african blood running for us that we would not stand up here and be counted you know and show you know that we you know we understand our, our own sufferings our own cries our own internal you know the frictions things that affect us as, as, as a people and have affected us before and is still affecting us so it has taken a new you know a new role in terms of the way that people are standing up everywhere in the world and so on and so forth so i am here and i'm as i said i don't think i'm afraid I don't think, for a matter of fact, based on public opinion, I mean the public actually support that move, what we did there. They are in, they, they, they are in favor of Black Lives Matter, and they were also in favor of us going out there. Now, yes, we probably were, were, were not given permission, but we went out there anyhow, and we were fearless in the sense that we did what we did, and we did it, perhaps... Maybe the next time we may not do it that way, we may find other ways to do it. But we were grateful that the police were there and they must be commended that they were there and they did not arrest anyone and so on. And they, you know, in a sense, they cooperated with us in one way or the other. But I, I, I still want to say that it would be a sad day for us in St. Lucia, knowing the majority of the population in St. Lucia, uh, would support uh, or supported you know the, the the rally and they support the the, the the whole question on the hashtag of black lives matter i think it would be extremely uh you know an unpopular move to go out there and try to arrest persons who participated in the rally so um let us see how it might how it will play out but um i don't even think that it would happen but if it happened it, it would not surprise me, you know, it would not surprise me, but, um, you know, I would be disappointed to know that uh, we would put our name out there, St. Lucia would put its reputation out there as a country that came out and arrested people because they stood up for something that is so real, something that is so true in terms of the injustices and the atrocities that have been committed and so on even by the police and also by the state the whole question of systematic racism and so on when people stand up for these things i think all peoples should say bravo and and, and give them the thumbs up that's how i see it Et qui a fait mouvement et qu'un chai vite stand, chaque canef qu'a couillé pour vigilance publique là, fait wallou, parler en place publique, comme base, tiboutique, changer, distance sociale, six pieds, rodionalot, il qu'a trois si vous sentez corps pas cordial, quarantine corps, pas en contact et puis l'autre, en cas où tu es exposé. C'est un écouillé, free one one au bien n'importe clinique qui est au Les pays à 10 000 ça veut dire les supermarchés, pharmacies et puis ATM, yo accessible avant cette souhaite. Pays à clé en plein. Ça veut dire tout bagay fermé à 24 heures. 
servi protocole comme sortie par bureau indication santé. Nous tout ensemble, ça sauver vermin corona. Si nous tout servi Jidla à toutes les. staying locked in on Hits FM 92.1 and 91.1 and also right there on Facebook and on channel 124. Of course, we are going to still delve into what happened on Sunday. But before we get into it, I just wanted to commend a lot of the people who come out despite the authorities for whatever reasons, um, underlying reasons they may have for coming out and everyone the thousands that were there on Sunday, the dozens that were there on Friday at the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and also last month, I know in V4, there was also a rally there as well. And for me, people wonder whether they should go. It's a, it's a, it's a discussion that you have to have within yourself, whether you stay home. And if that's your opinion and that's what you wanted to do, then you do it. But then if you wanted to come out as well, and I know a lot of people have this bravado and they are talking loud, and when it comes time to act, they do not. And I saw that myself on Sunday. And it wasn't just enlightening. It opened a new world for me to know that there, are, there is a quiet confidence that some people can have when you know they believe in something and they show you they believe. And whatever, it, whatever happens, you will be on the right side of history in that regard in the right on the right side of your own self and your own soul you know that you are doing something right so um i have to commend people like ignatius Zha, miss allison Zha, sir bertram Zha, Aaron alexander the people who were there on friday and maybe that'll get me into some trouble but i thought it was brave i would have been there myself except i had the show at the time but 
when it comes to things like that, when it comes to wanting justice and not having police brutality, and for whatever the cause is, and you believe it is justifiable, because when you look at what happened two weeks ago with the Prime Minister also being out, also not adhering to any of the protocols, again, it is a huge issue for me that the law does not seem to target everyone in the same way. Um, and even when the police officers were there at the Black Lives Matter movement, it was more a thing of, you know, just assisting it. So nobody left with any slap of the wrist. If anything, it was more a caress. Everybody was fine. Um, and on Sunday, we seen something else, mostly, I think, because of how political it was. But forget about the politics. It's about principle. It's about what is right and what is wrong. And for me still, it is an issue that a man was jailed with no information. He's um, since been released. Um, uh, we'll hear from him, I think, a bit later on, of course, on the station. But before we do that, I just wanted to use this time to applaud the Joe family, especially on a job well done and coming out even when there was a non-approval. And I'm telling you, I know it's going to get me into trouble. Facebook, Facebook people and the comments are coming, but it's what I feel. So thank you guys for being brave. Black Lives Matter. Take your knees off our necks and let us breathe. And we say that in a black country that you cannot use. And we have to condemn a statement that was made that colonialism had a conscience. This is unconscionable. And just in case you have not heard it as yet. Economics has no conscience. That's why I keep saying to everybody. You know, colonialization had a conscience in that ultimately there was a person making the decision. Economics has no conscience. This statement by the Prime Minister has received immense backlash and labels ranging from irresponsible to racist. And taking note is Ignatius Je, former government minister and Castries North MP. Je, the paternal uncle of Botham Je, guns down by white off-duty Dallas PD officer Amber Geiger, was at Friday's rally. The emotion was raw. You cannot make a statement like this in a country with people who have gone through that sort of subjugation and all the atrocities that went with colonialism. And anyone who do not understand their history are doomed to keep us where we are. And we have to educate our young people and we have to let them know the truth. There are lots of truths and we have to do that. And this is the statement that we have to make here. That no prime minister, no minister of government cannot come and wash this up and tell us that colonialism was a good thing and it had a conscience. The most atrocious period in the lives of people, Ja calls it. The Europeans went to Africa and they used the same scripture to take us and subjugate us into slavery. And today you tell us this thing, it was, to quote Amos Césaire, it was the thingification. Colonialism equals thingification. We were made to become things that were traded how could that have been a conscience? This is disrespectful, blatant and functional disrespect for the people of our land. So we got to stand up and say no to this. And we demand an apology for the man who made that statement. Miguel Favre, NBC Prime. And at the hands of the law enforcement officers in the United States who are supposed to protect us and to serve us. And in St. Lucia, when I hear of those mothers who are crying out, I think the authorities need to do more. It breaks my heart every day to know that my son is not here anymore. So when you don't hear me, no, I'm grieving on the inside. But I must fight a good fight. There is a fight to fight. Not with violence. I believe in peace. I'm a man of peace. I'm a man of peace. And I want us to do everything we do there peacefully. But people's life matters. My son's life matters. I cannot believe uh, that he's not here anymore. How can, how can a human being suffer such fate? How can a human being take the life of another? How can a police, a law enforcement officer, take a gun and, and just shoot someone? For no reason. And it happens. For no reason. No intended reason. But they do it anyway. And in St. Lucia, we must be on our guard. 
We must fight against these injustices. We cannot afford to sit back and say nothing and be idle. So now, I understand those who have fought that good fight like Martin Luther King, those who understand what we are going through. And you know, I just want to say thank you to my, the people of St. Lucia for the way they supported us, they embraced us, the love that you'll show towards us. And I just feel indebted to this country, St. Lucia, so much. But I love my police. I know the policemen who are working very hard to ensure that we have peace in this land. But I also pray for them. But I believe that we always say there are rotten eggs in the police force. But I don't know who they are. But the authorities, those are in the hierarchy, must do something to get rid of the rotten eggs. We cannot afford them to be killing our youth that way. Neither in the United States. So my wife and I are resolute. We will be up there in Dallas again. We will be fighting. We will not end that fight. Because both of them should still be here, should have been here before us, even today. I know what Bosom stood for. He stood for peace. He loved everyone. And this breaks me to know that it is so easy to just take a life. So Black Lives Matter. Yes. Matters. Everyone in St. Lucia, our life matters. The police life matters as well. We must love our police and give them the support. We must love them and give them the support. So I thank them this morning for not breaking this up and allowing us to speak, to speak out. And I call on the authorities once again to do something. Reform our justice system. Reform that. There's a lot more we can do. There's a lot more. Right? So do what we have to do. Forget about politics. But do what we have to do. Change the system. It must be changed. I can't believe we are living in this 21st century and we hate one another. How can we hate? I hate no man. I love the police, as I said. I love all peoples of St. Lucia and all peoples all over the world. So we must push that. I am not here to fight against the police this morning. Solidarity. How can a man be killed? How can George Floyd be killed that way? This must never happen in St. Lucia. Never. So I thank you for the support once again. I thank the people in the USA for the support they gave us as well. I thank Jim Ryan at TWC for the way he took the initiative to speak to his own in all the offices of Price Waterhouse to speak to those folks, to embrace blacks. We are human beings. And blacks are treated not as human beings. And they are not powerful statements there from the members of the Zhou family on Friday, which I wanted again to play in its entirety. So thank you to Jerry George. That footage came from him. Um, thank you again. What is What stood out for me is not what happened, but what is being said. And the I'm, I'm wondering why the Black Lives Matter movement and was allowed and not on Sunday. Uh, they have, there was the same thing, people were out maybe it wasn't political but it was a mass gathering and people were there as well So, but I'm thinking it would have been embarrassing as a country if something that has made global headlines something that everyone knows about Bothamsha and I imagine if the police were to ever break that up or even now to arrest the mother and father and relatives of Bothamsha because they were trying to do a Black Lives Matter movement St. Lucia would never recover from what I imagine would be the shame and the backlash globally of doing that in your own country because people protested in America, they protested in the States, they came out, they're coming out now despite what Trump has to say, despite what the police and the you know, Trump came out saying that he's going to unleash his military power and we don't have military power but it does seem we have a tropical Trump and our tropical Trump has or seems to be using certain forces for their political gain. 
So this is just what it is in this country, and you have to be, and I am inspired by Mr. Zhe and the family, and the people who came out, and the people who have been coming out. It's not just what happened on Sunday, it is what happened on Friday, what is continuing to happen, that one man in um, Corinth who has his slogan around his neck and just saying what he feels. And I think that's okay to express yourself, and you know, as that comes about, and we have one, you know, station mate, you know, Christopher, and he has in no uncertain terms been a, been a rival of sorts against Chastney and his policies. Um, and then him being arrested during that protest and him alone, when hundreds of people were out, hundreds of vehicles were out and he was uh, arrested because they thought him to be the leader, um, the leader of the, the organization. But before we get into that, another colleague journalist of mine, Janica, spoke with Anthony Estefan, uh, you know, he's a really good lawyer. Um, that's what I think that's putting it mildly what, from what I've heard of him. But it was just a discussion on what it means as a state of emergency. And from the very beginning when that was being enacted, people were worried of it being used to take people's freedoms and their freedom of expression. And we're wondering now, did we see the instance of that when a man was jailed because of it? Are we seeing the instance of that when um, the Black Lives Matter movement was not authorized by police? Uh, the, the SLP as well, they're trying to have, or they want to have a protest, but they've scheduled it for October in the hopes that the state of emergency would be, you know, we'd be gone by then. But then you don't even know because it could also be extended for the further four months or until December. Nobody knows. And that is the power that the Prime Minister now has. Whether you think it's fair, again, is part of the, is part of the issue. So for now, let's listen to our colleague, uh, my media colleague, Janica, on speaking with a lawyer on whether this is lawful, whether it is right, on so many different issues. Take a listen. This event on Sunday was specifically billed as an anti-Alan Chastney um, activity. Well, you couldn't get more purely political than that. Right. So you're saying that you, you, are, you are of the opinion or suspicion that the RSLPF may, may have had a more aggressive approach to this one because of its political nature? Well, I'm putting it in the negative. Right. I'm saying they could not take any action because it was political ah, or directed against the prime minister. Mm. I do not know what the motives are. Motives are generally um, determined through inferences and statements made. Now, if, if, if you tell me that the week before that the United Progressive Party were allowed free reign through the country to conduct campaigning or, or visitations of constituencies, villages, and, and farms, and so on, by the Prime Minister and members of his state without interference by the police. And there have been interferences with this one on Sunday, apparently not on Friday, but on this one on Sunday. Mm -hmm. All that I'm saying is, and I'm not making a statement of fact, that you had asked me about the, the conduct of the police, and I'm saying the police do not have an arbitrary power. Okay, they cannot They cannot exercise their authority without facts. Understood. They cannot exercise their authorities on the instructions of the politicians in government. Understood. And they certainly cannot conduct it on the basis of a perceived political action or threat to the prime minister or any politician. Understood. The last thing that I wanted to ask you is your opinion of the following. I received several reports from people who were participating in the motorcade yesterday that at, the, um, uh, at two of the roadblocks or checkpoints, traffic police were actually going from car to car as they were back, backed up asking them um, for their their documents, license, registration, etc. Um, and it seemed to be indiscriminate. They were asking everybody, um, with few exceptions, if the car was stickered, if the car was not stickered, they were just asking. Do you think that it would be um, something that is acceptable for the force to say, you know, we are having an activity, there's going to be a lot of vehicles on the road, now would be a good time to do license and registration checks? Or, or do you well, think that it could be misconstrued by the public as a targeted harassment of the people who were participating well, in think, this activity? I think it may be a fair, a fair and a good guess by the public, not a, mis a misinterpretation. Because the police have the right to ask for your license and insurance at any time. They could stand outside Castries or Sufria or Scotland, not Scotland, sorry, <laughs> 
wrong country. Yeah. <laughs> but to choose an event such like that to do it would raise questions. Again, I, I don't have sufficient facts to point a finger, but it would certainly raise questions. So that would be, a, mm. for whatever reason, an odd coincidence to, to do that at that time, when in fact you have 364 other days in which you could have done it on any public highway in, or any village or any town or any city in St. Lucia or, or St. Lucia. So it, it's an odd, an odd choice of time or an odd coincidental choice of time. Hmm. And as we're wrapping up, uh, Mr. Astafan, I, apart from the difficulties that you are that you are that you are highlighting, when we think about the necessity of these um, state of emergency regulations and whether um, we should be conducting general election activities um, under these provisions, do you do you think that it's time for? Um, St. Lucia, the region maybe, to look at these um, laws that govern uh, public assemblies, uh, that govern demonstrations and protests, because it seems to me and to other lay people um, a bit odd that one would have to seek permission from the police to, to, ha to exercise your, your, your free speech um, opposed to notifying the police that we are going to have this so that they can put their, 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 their resources in place. Should we be looking at the, the public order acts in St. Lucia and the rest of, of the region? Well, the, some of the acts are fairly outdated, but we, we, must, we must not forget the primary purpose of these legislations is to regulate public order in public places. And we have had several high court, court of appeal, and privy council cases, including from St. Lucia, that says the requirement for permission um, to conduct, whether it's a meeting or procession or a march or a motorcade on the public highway, would require the permission and the routing so that the least intrusive permission or the least intrusive route is given and to give the police the sufficient time to ensure public order and public safety is maintained during um, during the motorcade and so on. But generally, I, I would fully support a review of the legislation. I mean, I'm not sure, sure how much further it can go. I mean, even in relation to the restrictions, even in relation to the restrictions imposed on, on COVID, um, some of which um, I've looked at, the critical issues would be one of proportionate proportionality under the various regulations and in relation to the ex and extremely ext or, the, or the intrusive interferences, the duration of the state of emergency. But as we saw in the United States, the very conservative court ruled that in relation to restrictions placed on churches, the court has to defer to the judgment of the executive. Mm -hmm. But that deferment does not mean blind support, it means that if you're going to question a disproportionate interference, as I think was tried in St. Kitts, but a little late, you have to have the evidence to substantiate it. And I think one of the things they need to look for and look out for is the lessons from St. Kitts, that if you have these, these regulations in place, curfew restrictions, state of emergencies, and so on, and one side is not allowed to do what the other side is obviously doing openly then a very serious question um, on the fairness of the campaign and the election would arise. You know, so, so these are very critical, difficult legal questions that, that people have to be absolutely vigilant about. So one does not necessarily accept blindly, especially with the mixed signals about, about the COVID restrictions and impositions of a state of emergency because it could have been done for two or three months. Hmm. Um, and then renewed by resolution in the house. Exactly. And that, that was an argument that was made by several opposition figures that it could have been allowed to expire and then, if necessary, our Governor-General could well, have um, done, a, done a new one. And I mentioned that for the specific reason. St. Kitts did it. The opposition in the Parliament in St. Kitts said precisely what the opposition in St. Lucia said. But guess what came next? The snap election. Well, our election. Prime Minister Under... has indicated to us that our elections will be very soon. Um, 
you know, so there's a rumor going around that we may see a dissolution of parliament within the next 30 days. Well, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's not more than a rumor. It's a very high likelihood that that's going to be the case. Um, I think they will follow the Senkic route because they will, real, model because they will realize that the COVID and other restrictions that are in place, and I don't know what are fully in place in St. Lucia, as I did in Senkic, mm -hmm. um, may give the, may give the, the, the incumbent political party an edge, as we found out in St. Kitts. Absolutely. So, so there should be no sitting down state well, August, December 2011. But that's the mistake that happened in St. Kitts, and it turned out that the election was around the corner. Right. We are the Helen of the West. A place where people work and play with a special rhythm. But we are experiencing a public health crisis never seen before. And it has left many of us isolated, anxious and afraid. And even though we are missing our families, our teammates and our friends, keeping our distance ensures our safety. While protecting our loved ones, and by extension, our solution. Let us embrace the silver lining for what it is. A moment to reflect and chart a brighter tomorrow. We are 758, 759, and everything in between. And it is because of our resilience we shall persevere. We are all St. Lucian. We never give up. Let's do this together, apart. Tip of the day number one. It is normal to feel sad, stressed, confused, scared or angry during a crisis. Talking to people you trust can help. Contact your friends and family. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311, psychosocial support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, UACS Commission and UNICEF. If you haven't checked out Ram J's Auto Parts as yet, what are you waiting for? We stock a wide assortment of older and newer model popular car and SUV parts. Suzuki, Toyota, Mitsubishi, Honda, Nissan, Mini Cooper, and lots more. That's not all. Ram J's also stocks truck and heavy equipment parts. And if that won't help you, we also do heavy equipment rental to keep your downtime at a minimal. Ram J's Auto Parts is located Massad Industrial Zone Grocery. Contact us for 50-0495 or 716-1400 or email ramj35 at hotmail.com. back thank you so much for staying with us right now i really really want to hear what you have to say so i'm opening the lines from now i'm a bit late in opening it but i want to hear what everybody's thinking what everybody's feeling their experiences with everything going on it is a very historical time i think i um i think we'll be looking back on this and really just trying to see where we were at this time um, talking about COVID and the state of emergency and everything else. But um, when, before we get into that, let's just take a look back at what the health minister, if you remember, about a month ago, said about uprising and maybe protests and those sort of things. It died with George Odlum. Do you remember? I'm mentioning the environment that that is creating because we are here even in this house that we have to be careful about infringing on people's rights. 
And this is where I am trying to go with that, Madam President. Because you see, there are those people who believe, and yesterday morning we saw a prime example of what could have happened. There are those people who believe that they need to have an uprising. They need to have a revolution. They refuse to move on and recognize that Brother George Odlam is no longer here and he took the revolution with him. <laughs> and we do not have anybody else in this country who is brave enough to do what it is that he used to do. Because he used to have cause, Madam President. He used to have cause. So with And Ms. Isaac there, I think you really dared people to, we seem to have a call, to go ahead and prove you wrong on that front. Uh, good morning, caller. Hi, I'm good. A little bit of context. Please. Um, the Public Order Act was introduced in 1976 by the John Compton administration. Now, if you can recall, the United Workers Party was into a third term of office. They took office in 1964. They won in 64, they won again in 79, um, and they won again in 74. So they were into their third term of office. Now, by that time, they were already becoming very unpopular. Also, at you know, that time, um, that time saw the rise of people like George Odlum, Peter Josie, you know, so-called firebrand politicians. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. And those politicians were attracting huge crowds. You know, people you know who became enamored of the of, of, of the of the you know rhetoric, especially that of deceased George Odlum. Okay. Now, it was around that time in 1976 that the deceased John Compton introduced the public. Order Act. Right. Now, that act may very well be considered um, one of the most repressive pieces of legislation ever introduced into St. Lucia. Because, again, the thinking was the primary purpose for introducing that piece of legislation was to uh, kind of limit the activities of the then opposition, especially the likes of Peter Josie, George Odlum, et al. Okay? Yeah. Now, fast forward, you know, and I think I have quite a bit of that in a, in a you know, Facebook post that I, that, I, that I put out there this morning. Fast forward to January 2020. Well, before, before that, mm-hmm. um, 2016, the Alan Shastney-led administration comes into, comes into office. It doesn't take too much time before people begin to think, heck, what's happening here? What did we just elect? Didn't we elect a new, a new administration to do better by us? Mm-hmm. And soon the word out there was that, look, this government is not acting in our best interest. Fast forward again to January 2016. COVID-19, by then, the Alan Shastney administration has become very unpopular, very unpopular. The thinking out there is that, look, this thing is an SSS thing. It's, 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 those guys have, have, the, have the policies focused squarely on friends, family, and foreigners while burdening the majority of the population with stuff that is not kind to them. Right. Okay. Now, you had a you know, situation recently where the Prime Minister went to the House and sought leave uh, for another state of emergency, this time for four months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four months, from June the 1st to September 30th. Four months. There was a huge hue and cry about it because... 
before that, he had come to the house seeking, you know, states of emergency for, say, four weeks. Uh, two two weeks, weeks at a time, four weeks at a time, weeks. yes. You know, and now he's asking for four months. So there was a huge hue and cry. When, look, the, the chief medical officer was saying, look, we have this thing under control. And to all intents and purposes, we have this thing under control because St. Lucia has been commended as one of the countries, as small as it is, as one of the countries for having this under control. Only so far, only 19 people in country have been affected. Only 19. Yeah. Okay? So, this four months thing, people had and up to now have a huge, a huge difficulty with it. But some people are saying that maybe the protests and the real um, people coming out and speaking, that should have been done from the moment that he said state of emergency for four months, that maybe we took too long as a people oh. to really oh, show yes. our oh, yes. satisfaction. I'm coming to that. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to that, Trisha. Couple this state of emergency, this four-month state of emergency, with the Public Order Act. And it becomes clear that the Prime Minister, from the inception, his thinking was to stymie political dissent, stymie the opposition, stymie everybody who is anti-Shasni, anti-UWP government, in terms of any sort of, you know, mass event, any type of big activity that would make the United Workers' Party government look bad. So, and again, I, well, I listened to, 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 to um, what's his name, Anthony, Anthony Astefan, right. when he compared the Friday event with the Sunday event, because although the Friday event was billed as a Black Lives Matter rally, the Sunday event was billed as an anti-Shasne motorcade. So you see the difference there. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Although the police cooperated with the Black Lives Rally um, 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 events, there was no way that they were going to cooperate with the anti-Shafni movement. And again, like Anthony Astafan said, the police on their own couldn't just take that decision in terms of, you know, the permission and, you know, so on. You see, so there you had it. And let me tell you something else, Trisha. Yeah, go ahead. I arrived on, at, at the market steps late on Sunday. So all of this was already going on. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the faces, the hundreds of faces. I scanned those faces. And Trisha, you know what I saw? What did Trisha, you see? there was a lot of anger. There was anger on almost every face. And on many faces, the anger bordered on rage. Rage. I'm I saw sure that too. you saw that. If you look carefully, yeah. I'm sure you would have seen that on Sunday. So you have people with all that pent-up emotion because people are saying this government is not working for us. Four years have gone by. This government, rather than working for us, is burdening us with all kinds of things that we cannot continue to endure. And so we feel we have to come out and express what it is that we feel. And the feeling there was that Look, when the police said you have to disperse because there was no permission given, the feeling there was that the police is being used to deny us our constitutional right to free expression. And I'm going to tell you something else, another observation that I've made. Make it your final, sir, please. Sure. Trisha St. Lucia is sitting on a powder keg of pent-up emotions. And if we're not careful, that thing is going to explode and into something ugly or regrettable. Thanks, Trisha. Thank you so much, caller. I appreciate your point of view. And when he spoke there of, you know, the anger on people's faces, I too saw that. I saw that there was a lot of rage there. Um, of course, when he said bordering on rage, but in the end, it really was people coming together in one like mind. And yes, it may have been organized by some people, some people who, in the end, didn't, um, wasn't there. But 
there, there, there was no need for a leader because everybody would have been on their own heights already, their own vibe, and it was going to have to be done with or without a leader. And there, to me, in the end, in the middle of everything, there didn't seem to be a leader. People were just doing what they wanted to do, and they wanted to make a show of doing it. Um, and there are so many issues, including what Mr. Asafan spoke about in St. Kitts, and we saw how that worked out when there were elections during a state of emergency and the incumbent stayed with you know, a resounding victory there. And you know, people wonder now whether that is to be St. Lucia's fate, because we do know that we're in the middle of campaigning. Politicians are now canvassing. You cannot clearly go out. If you can't go out for a drive, it looks like, then there, are, there is no way there's going to be a political rally anywhere on the market steps or anywhere else. But... Um, Again, so many things to be discussed. I appreciate everyone tuning in on Hits FM 92.1 and 91.1 and also on Facebook. Thank you so much for tuning in and on channel 124. We have had a good time speaking, um, but my time has come and I have to leave. But I did have a great time. It is always a pleasure. Have a great, great afternoon. <laughs>